0: Faith, family, freedom, hope, and opportunity. You're listening to Freedom Rings. I'm your host, Senator Marsha Blackburn. All right, our guest today With Freedom Rings is someone that you are seeing on the news a lot right now because he is a trusted voice when it comes to talking about our nation's foreign policy. Rick Grinnell has a background that is just so steeped in foreign policy and he has served as our nation's spokesperson at the UN under President George W. Bush. He served as our ambassador to Germany for President Trump and then President Trump appointed him to serve as the acting director of national intelligence. I'm sure that you have heard a little bit about the DNI and that being our trusted source. So Rick Grinnell, thank you for joining us for a podcast of Freedom Rings. We really appreciate this, but I, I have to say, you're a teenager growing up. Take me back. How did you get involved and interested in foreign policy? Where did this come from for you?
1: That's a great question. And thanks for having me, Senator. I, I so love your leadership on all these issues and uh, I appreciate everything that you do. So thank you. Um, you know, I was probably the typical kid. I, I was born in Western Michigan, grew up in Michigan and uh, spent some of my elementary school time in California, my parents kind of moved back and forth between California and Michigan, and I loved politics from the beginning. I think the competition of election day was was fascinating to me. Um, my dad served as a missionary for a while, so I had the view of the world already. I remember, um, you know, the music uh, at six thirty that would signal that the news was on. And my dad would get into his chair and listen to the news. If you can remember a long time ago when it was just the evening news for a half hour. And so we would watch the news together and we would talk about it. My dad was really big about um, you know, having a conversation and debating issues, would always ask my opinion, would always want me to ask other people their opinion and then listen. So that's the way I grew up and I, I think that I gravitated into you know world issues because basically I was so thankful that America was great and you would look at mm-hmm. other countries and you think how, how could we help how, how could we you know as a Christian I wanted to think about the world uh, being a better place and you know the, um, the direction that the Bible would give us about going into the world and being light into the darkness. And so I kind of took that and uh, combined it with my love of politics and the competition of elections. I did a lot of elections um, campaigning for people when I was uh, first making my my career. And boy, the the thrill of elections (laughs) is is addictive and working as a campaign staffer. And then uh, just combining all the things that I love. My grandpa used to always tell me, find out what you love to do, and then figure out a way to make money at it.
0: That is a great advice. So if you were to give advice to young people today, you know, we have so many interns that come through our offices and so many times they'll say, I want to do something in foreign affairs. So if someone were to say that to you, What advice would you give them as a college student? What kind of experience do they need? What kind of exposure do they need?
1: Yeah, it's such a good question. And I think the first thing to say to people is that there is no answer, right? Don't don't feel like you're missing out and that somehow you, you didn't take the right path or you didn't get the right school or you didn't get the right job there absolutely is no right answer. You can get to where you wanna go in any path that you choose. But what I think that that you need to do is, is always be risky, right? Mm-hmm. Take, mm-hmm. when when you're young and you're not married and you don't have a mortgage and you don't have kids to support, now's the time to be risky. You can go work on a campaign and live on someone's couch or four people can share an apartment. And it's much easier to make those sacrifices when you're young because you don't have these expectations or commitments that you make later in life. So I would say be risky, go work on campaigns, move around. Don't think that you have to stay in the same place, but um, try to do uh, little steps that build towards the bigger steps. What you do today doesn't have to be You know, the advisor to Senator Blackburn on foreign policy. But Mm -hmm. what can you do to kind of learn some of those skills when you're younger so that you can eventually get that dream job?
0: And one of the good things is in the United States of America, we have the freedom to be hopeful for Better Days, we have the freedom of choice and opportunities to find ways to make those dreams come true. And I think that that is a vital ingredient. So tell me, what does freedom mean to you? When when you talk about, you've seen the world writ large and being the DNI, serving in that capacity, you saw the good, the bad, the ugly, and then the freedom that is worth defending. So what does it mean to you?
1: It's such a good question. And and for me, when I hear the word freedom, I think of uh, sacrifice and I think of um, it not being free, right? Ronald Reagan Mm -hmm. had this great line that said, every generation is going to have to fight for its freedom. And I think that we, over the last decades, have been lulled into feeling like America is always going to be great and the best. And we don't really have to, you know, hone it. We don't Mm -hmm. have to do what we can to to make it better. We don't have to sacrifice. And I think that what I hear from first and second generation Americans who come to the United States is they're so grateful to be here and they want to make sure that they work hard to keep what makes us great going forward and and i i believe that what's happening right now is that we've got a whole bunch of people who have been in the united states for a very long time maybe sixth, seventh generation americans who are getting lazy and they're not fighting for their freedom okay. um you know every great civilization has lasted roughly 250 years And we need to remember that if we don't fight for our freedom, and we're not asking you to storm the beaches of Normandy, (laughs) but I think that you've got to stand up for capitalism. You've got to stand up for the rule of law not being politicized. I see a lot of that in Washington. Uh, You've got to stand up for human rights above all. And I don't see many people in Washington that are doing that. And what we need to be able to do is demand that Washington represent America, not that Washington represents itself. You know, that city in Washington, you know this, Senator Blackburn, that city is big, it's growing, it's getting bigger by the week. Uh, Every time you go there, there's a new construction crane and building going up. It's just unbelievable, the growth and development. And we don't see that growth and development in the rest of the United States all of the time. But for some reason, that Washington system is feeding on itself and becoming bigger. And, And I don't think that that's a good idea. I think Washington should be as small as we can. And lastly, I'll just say this. I don't think we can expect people in Washington, those who live there, work there and go to church there and who have their social life there. I don't think that we can expect them to make the place smaller or less powerful. They're never going to do it on their own. We have to send people to Washington that will bring fresh ideas into Washington and then go home and have their lives back in their their state. That's how we're gonna change Washington.
0: Oh, I totally agree with that. And I think that having, I call it happy warrior freedom fighters. And those are what we need. Here in Washington right now to make certain that power devolves to the states, yeah. that it is not vested here in the federal government. What is the biggest challenge that you have faced in your career in foreign policy? What were what are a couple of the most challenging moments?
1: You know, it's interesting. Um because when I was, I spent eight years at the UN, as as you referred to earlier, and I, I was the American spokesman. And I was there during, you know, uh, all of the 2000s, basically from 2001 till 2009. And it was a challenging time, because in the beginning, uh, after 9-11, of course, the world came together to say, how can we support you? But I think that we as Americans um, all can look back now and think we overreached. We thought that we could turn, um, you know, Kabul or Baghdad into a a democracy that looked like Ohio. And and that's not the case. And I, I think we have to learn what American power is. So I think that the biggest challenge that we have right now is explaining America first in a way That uh, other countries recognize that when you put America first, when you put the superpower of the world in charge of democracy, human rights, capitalism, the rule of law, that every single country will benefit. When you have a leader putting the structure in place that will benefit every other country, they should go along with America first because it's a good structure of making the world more peaceful, more equal. Uh, You know, you just look around and we should be incredibly proud of the system that we've created. We've got to fight to keep it. But when I was at the UN, I have to tell you that every country put itself first. France put itself first. Germany put itself first. Costa Rica put itself first. It's only controversial to put your country first in Washington DC with progressive Democrats. It's not controversial anywhere else around the world. America first is what other countries think. Well, of course you should put America first.
0: Well, and it's kind of best practices for any government to think about their government, their people, their citizens, first and foremost, with any policy. And that is why we have different nations. It's why we're not a one world government. And each nation is there and separate. But I think it's so important that America remains strong. If we're not going to fight for freedom, no one else is going to show up and fight for freedom. Can I add one
1: point to that? Sure. Um, You know, we just watched, or at least I was watching very closely, the German elections, which were yesterday. And I watched as all the different candidates, they have a very interesting system, different than ours in that um, there are a whole bunch of parties. And so whoever comes out on top gets a chance to build a coalition of 50%. And so I, I watched the campaign develop. And the reality is, is that every single person campaigning to be the chancellor of Germany was talking about Germany was talking about Germany first, was talking about how do we spend money on our people. There was a healthy debate about maybe doing something to help Europe, but the transatlantic alliance was not the most important issue. It wasn't really talked about. And the two people who came out near the top, and they're very close, and and one of them will be chancellor, is uh, Olaf Scholz, who is the head of the Social Democrats, the Socialists, And the other is the Christian Democrats, Angela Merkel's party, and it's a guy named Armin Laschet. And now both of these folks, Olaf Scholten and Armin Laschet, both of them have never really prioritized foreign policy, the transatlantic relationship or America. And so they just ran campaigns that were all about Germany and it wasn't controversial in Germany at all because people expected their politicians, to talk about them and to take care of them.
0: That is exactly right. Well, words of wisdom indeed. And for those of you that are watching Freedom Rings, you can keep up with Rick Grinnell online. You'll find him at Richard Grinnell. And I hope you'll continue to pull down Freedom Rings. You'll get it anywhere that you're pulling down your favorite podcast. Rick, thanks so much for joining us for a conversation today.
1: Senator, thank you so much. All the best.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Freedom Rings. You can follow me on Twitter at Vote Marsha, Facebook at Marsha Blackburn for Senate, and on Instagram at Team Marsha. And you can always find us online at marshablackburn.com. The Freedom Rings podcast is edited and produced by Jared Cummings, executive producers are Conservative Partnership Center and Marsha Blackburn. Together, we make Freedom Ring.